Well, my name is Tom Dykstra, and I'm inviting you to rethink the ways you plan and lead worship. And it's because I believe that your leadership has the power to help your people experience worship that is truly life-changing. Worship that reorients their lives to the hope of the gospel. Well, hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Think Again Worship Podcast. This is episode six, and I want to talk about preparing well with limited time. Now, there have been a ton of transitions and a ton of changes in my life and in my family's life over the past year. Most recently, Hillary and I, we had our first baby boy. Uh, His name is Thomas, and he's amazing. He's cute. He's beautiful. He's sweet and fun and tiring, and he sucks up a ton of our time. And it's actually made it quite hard to work on the podcast and to work on a lot of other hobbies and things that we would love to spend time on. But even before he was born, during Hillary's pregnancy, just getting ready for our first child, I was so short on time and it was often frustrating that I couldn't work on some of the things I wanted to. Well, another big transition in our lives is that I started a new career, a new job, and I stepped out of a worship position that I'd had for 12 years. And so I've been discovering this different role of not being a paid worship staff, but being a volunteer worship leader and all the the dynamics that are just a little bit different because of that. And I'm hoping that in the next few episodes, I can dig into some of those things that I've been learning over this year. Well, one of the things I learned in my almost 20 years of worship planning and leading is that the more time I have to spend planning, often the more enjoyable the worship service is. Now, my wiring also is to, if I have time to do something or to improve something or to make something better, I'm going to take that time. I always just want to tweak and adjust until it's perfect. That can make the final result of things really great, and it can also make the preparation really frustrating. But here's why I found preparation for worship so, so helpful. First is, it gives me confidence when I lead. I know where I'm going. I've thought it through, and it's meaningful and it's worthwhile to take others there. Second, it takes pressure off of rehearsal. I don't save every musical decision for that relatively small prep time right before the service. Third, it, it increases the chances of me personally being able to engage in worship when I'm leading it. So even though I'm leading the band, even though I have to think about transitions and think about what I'm going to say, if I'm well prepared, I feel more personally able to engage and be with God and my church family in worship. And that's why I have found it, in general, more enjoyable when I'm prepared. Well, one of the things that I've learned in this year of volunteer worship leading is that I almost never have enough time to prepare like that. It has really made me stand in a little bit of awe of all the time worship leading volunteers have given in the past that I undervalued and I underappreciated. So I looked up the definition of volunteer. I like to do that sometimes when I'm thinking through thoughts or ideas. And it says, a person who freely offers to take part in an enterprise and undertake a task. Someone who freely offers. Or a person who does something, especially helping other people, willingly and without being forced. Now that describes me as a volunteer worship leader. I am doing something, I'm committed to doing something, and it's helping others, and I do it willingly. I'm not forced to do it, I enjoy it, and I feel it's important and valuable 
But the part that has been so interesting to me is how I have to freely give my most precious commodity these days. And that's my time. Well, since I don't have as much time to give, I found that I have to give my time strategically. And that's what I want to uh, share with you in this episode. I've kind of boiled it down to what are the three things that I think about when planning my time and giving my time for worship that help me be prepared to lead. Recently, my boss was describing an article he read, and it said something about the most productive people. They don't just add important things to a to-do list. They put them on their calendar. And so that's a little bit how I'm going to frame this today. While I certainly have less time to plan, it's not true that I have zero time to plan. So I've just learned to be more deliberate in planning the planning. So here are the three things that I want to talk about today. I'm just going to start with number one here. First, I give myself time to plan. This is the planning of the worship planning. I'm going to walk you through two weeks leading up to when I lead worship. I like to have the service on my radar, just generally, for about two weeks before I lead. So two weeks ahead, I request info from my pastor about what the message is and where he's going. This takes five, maybe 10 minutes. Now, I realize that a lot of pastors don't have their sermon, maybe even their title and their topic and their direction planned out until the week of. And that can be a real challenge for worship leaders. I'd encourage you to think about how you can communicate to them the value of having that info ahead of time. They may not realize how much that could help you. Okay, so one and a half weeks ahead of time, I just try to carve out 20 minutes. And this is just to brainstorm songs. Very low pressure, you know, categorizes them as maybe good opening songs or gospel songs or songs of gratitude, communion songs, response songs. I don't put pressure on myself to build the whole service. I'm just trying to have fun, enjoy thinking about the theme of the message, think about the songs that I'm gravitating towards, think about what excites me. Now, sometimes it really comes together and all of a sudden I've got this worship service in front of me and that's just bonus. But that's not something I, I plan on for this little session of time. It's low pressure and if you're in a hurry, all it takes is 15, 20 minutes to brainstorm some songs. Well, when it gets to be about one week ahead, I, I create a draft of the service. To be honest with you, sometimes this happens during church. The week before I lead, I just take out my notepad and I'm writing down song ideas. Maybe the band does a song that I was thinking about doing, so I make sure I cross that one out off. And I just try to sculpt the service a little bit more. I don't do the whole thing in church. I, usually when I get home, I'm like, okay, what do I actually want to do for worship? And again, this, this is maybe 30, 45 minutes to an hour. I'm trying to create the skeleton of the service. Now, I usually write a call to worship and confession and assurance of pardon, and I've found that if you're writing liturgy, you just have to plan in advance. Pulling songs together at the last minute, definitely possible. But if you're trying to meaningfully connect a call to worship with a sermon and confession assurance as in a way that really ramps up to the theme of the message, it's just so much better to have this stuff marinating ahead of time. Well, on Monday or Tuesday, I try to carve out some time just to finalize the song set, and I make the song sheets. And this, this can take 30 minutes, maybe an hour, depending on how detailed I'm being. But the important thing is that by Wednesday, I can email the song list to the band. I'll say more about that in just a minute. Well, lastly, I take 
hopefully just 30 or 60 minutes on Friday or Saturday just to review the songs, get them fresh in my mind. If I'm having fun with it, I'll play more. But the idea is just to be fresh and be ready for Sunday. Now, this might seem really rigid to you. I kind of made it more specific just so you could follow my thought process. I don't always follow this perfectly. But the the important thing is just to see it coming. It takes some discipline to block out the time, but once you do it, you don't feel the pressure of, okay, the weekend right before worship, it's all going to build up and I'm going to have to get this thing planned. I find worship planning is a lot more enjoyable when it's not pressed up against a deadline. This is like procrastination 101, right? I also just don't want my entire Friday and Saturday to get sucked into rushed planning and then just hope that on Sunday it all works out. So the first thing I do is I plan my planning time. The second thing I do is I plan a time to get the band the music. I already mentioned that. I usually aim for Wednesday. But here's here's the thing. I find worship leading really tiring. One of my other worship leader friends at our church, we were just talking about how, man, that's the most exhausted we feel during the week. It's right after leading worship. I go on some pretty long hikes. I work some pretty long days. And with the baby, I'm up sometimes some pretty long nights, but worship leading is more tiring than all those things. And it's because you've got a ton of decisions to make. You got to lead the band for hours. You got to sing for hours. You're pouring yourself out and hoping the congregation engages. One of the reasons it's so tiring is because I know the music well, and I know where we want to go, and I've got a plan, but the band sees it for the first time on Sunday. If no one in the band has the music ahead of time, it's going to be a lot of hard work. Now, I realize if you get the music to the band two or three days in advance, not everyone's going to spend a lot of time with it. But if you get one person that really learns the songs or really knows what they're doing with the songs, it's going to make a huge difference in your rehearsal. So my rule of thumb is just get the music to the band a minimum of two days before the service. Especially important if you don't have a midweek rehearsal, if you're just showing up on Sundays or Saturday nights or whenever your service is, plan to get the band the music ahead of time. That's number two. All right, the third thing, I plan time for my voice. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't do a ton of, what would I call it, recreational singing between Sundays that I lead. And if I haven't been doing a lot of singing, after I've led a rehearsal and a service, and if you do two or even three services, your voice is going to be done if it's not strengthened and accustomed to singing a lot. Now, I believe that Our voice is one of the most important pieces of our leadership. And it's because people in your church may not be super rhythmic. They may not be really musical. But what you're inviting every single person to do is to engage their voice. And so the thing they need most, as important as band dynamics are and as important as the backbone of the music is, they've got to hear your voice because it's something that they can latch onto and it's something that they can follow. So your voice has to be strong. And I often find it where towards the end of the service, my voice is fading. Well, the way that I plan to keep my voice strong, maybe you remember these things, compact discs. Well, I have some vocal exercises on CDs. And I have found that the best time for me to exercise my voice is on the 15-minute commute to and from work. Now, the CDs I have, they're cheesy exercises. They're simple they got goofy instrumentation, but they're, they're excellent in strengthening my voice and keeping it in shape. 
The vocal exercises that I use are from a guy named Tim Carson. He's a vocal coach and a vocal trainer. He has a company called Vocal Artistry. And you can go to vocalartistry.com and buy these CDs. There's a couple for men. There's a couple for women. There's a breathing CD. And I think there's some other options too. But I highly recommend this stuff. Yes, it is a little cheesy, but it's it's literally workouts for your voice. If you want to be a marathon runner, you got to run every day. If you're going to be a, a strong athlete, you got to lift weights every day. And in the same way, your voice needs to be strengthened for these marathons of singing that you do on Sunday morning. Now, I admit it can be a little awkward when I pull up at a red light next to somebody else. I usually turn the volume down a little bit, maybe cover my mouth. It's probably pretty humorous if someone ever, quote unquote, catches me doing this. But it is so worth it. And I would encourage you to check out these CDs. He's done a lot of work with worship artists. In fact, I think he was just in Olympia, where where I live, last weekend doing a workshop at one of the churches in town. But it's really great stuff, and I really encourage you to check that out. Because the strength of your voice just does a lot for your confidence and for helping your church follow you into worship. Well, I got just a couple of takeaways here in closing. The first thing is really for paid worship staff, paid pastors, appreciate your volunteers. This is a good reminder that when you ask volunteers to serve and to lead, especially if you're asking them to plan, you're asking a lot. And so some of your most important work is to explore how can you structure your work, how can you plan your schedule, and get them what they need at the right time so that they can give the best investment of their time possible. Also, just be thinking about ways that you can encourage and support and just cheer them on in their worship leading. Another thought I had in thinking through these things is that when I was a pastor and preparing talks and messages and devotions and sermons on a weekly basis, I noticed this tendency for my personal devotion time to morph into sermon writing without even noticing it. In my personal devotion time, my quiet time with the Lord became kind of utilitarian. I was trying to get stuff, suck stuff out of it that I could use for work. And that was not very life-giving for me and not a very good habit to be in. But I've found as a volunteer so far that planning worship during my personal devotion time has been life-giving. It's not every day, it's not every week, but when I'm on worship, that's a space that I can be reflecting on the gospel. And the more that I'm reflecting on what Christ has done for me and the grace that he's offered and the goodness of God, the more eager I am to guide others in that experience in worship on Sunday. So I've found that to be a refreshing and a life-giving thing. And lastly, I'll just say, in the week that I was prepping to put together this podcast, just last week, I was asked at the last minute to lead worship. And this whole two-week notice thing, it's not a rule for me. I, I was given two days notice this time, and I, I didn't say yes right away. I said, let me think about it. And then that night, I said, well, if I can plan this worship service in 30 minutes, I will say yes. And so I went home. I spent 30 minutes. The songs came. I borrowed liturgy from a call to worship and confessions that I had done before. I maybe didn't spend as much time trying to really nail the theme, but I pulled it together and then I was like, okay, there it is. And so I said, yes. The next day I spent 25 minutes throwing together song sheets. And it was a good reminder to me that you can have a structure, but you can also break away from that sometimes. And Sunday actually went really quite well. It was really fun. And it felt like people really engaged in worship. So there's not 
some secret if you spend enough time that worship can be good. It was a good reminder for me to experience that. Well, hey, I hope you got a lot out of this episode. I hope it's been valuable, meaningful, and helpful in a practical and thoughtful way. In closing, I just want to remind you, as always, that I believe that as a worship leader, your leadership has the potential and has the power to help reorient people's lives to the hope of the gospel. And when you stand up there, you're directing their hearts back to God, back to Jesus. And I just want to encourage you, keep investing in that gift, in that skill, and in that role. Hope to see you next time. Well, thank you for listening to the Think Again Worship Podcast. As I share my perspectives and as we think about worship together, I would love to hear from you what's helpful and what's not. And if there's a question or a topic that you'd like me to dig into on the podcast, please send me an email and let me know. Tom Dykstra at gmail.com. I hope you found some value in this episode. If you did, share it with a friend or another worship leader, and I would love to have you tune in again next time. We'll see you then.